right, Grace. Right, here we go. So, hey, how are you doing, Renee? I'm doing good. I'm <laughs> really like excited the lamest about today. Intro ever. I know that's all right. But go ahead. Let's yeah. just get right to so, it. Yeah. So here we are with Laith McHugh. She has been gracious enough to join us. We heard her on a Rob Bell podcast years ago. And it was so interesting and inspiring. And then we went back and listened to it back a few months ago. Yeah. And well, then, can I add a yeah. little something? I'm just going to add that we listened to the Rob Bell and I had a moment where I felt like I'm going to, I don't know, I was going to meet her or I just knew something. I knew our paths would cross again. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how, but when we started doing our podcast, Bruce, I was like, I'm going to ask her to be on our podcast at some point for me. It's a very special podcast that we're going to do here to hear her story and just her wisdom. So Yeah. And also Rob Bell has played a pretty good role with us too, because he was what originally yeah. inspired us to actually name our podcast this way as we did. So um, I feel like that's our common ground. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, I guess let's just dive into it. I mean, what was so compelling when I first heard your story was this whole concept of a life reboot after all kinds of stuff happens like life does. And we were kind of in a space in our lives where like, wow, that sounds, that actually sounds cool. Never really heard it that way. You've had changed careers and that stuff, but nothing like mm -hmm. that concept. So anyway, well, welcome. And, yeah. <laughs> and welcome. Cause I want to, I'm really excited about the story. Cause I feel like, you know, you could look at you right now and you, you got a beautiful little space there. You're beautiful. Oh, you just, your life is just so perfect, oh, but there's so much more to it. And so I'm excited to dig into that because on the surface, someone could be like, wow, she looks like she just has it all together. Her life must've been easy and perfect. Yeah. So let's start there. Like, yeah. So perfect, your life, you have a perfect, perfect life and, and you just ended up that way. <laughs> It's just so hard to be so perfect, you know? Right? <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, yeah, interesting place to start. I was just telling somebody about that very thing of the, our neighbors and stuff who have met us since we've moved here is post our daughter Hadley dying and post Holden in rehab and out of rehab and post our marriage getting, you know, not in a great place. So their perception of us very well could have been, or might still be the ones that don't know us that we have everything. We do have everything. Like right. it does look like perfect world. And it sometimes feels a little bit like perfect world. And we all say, we just wish we had like a big sign we could carry around all the time saying, this is just not the whole story. looks cute. Now this is not the whole story. So that's interesting that that's something that stood out to you to, to start with this morning, because it has um, been long and hard journey getting to this place and not without a lot of massive bumps in the road. We did a little thing about yoga. And one of my favorite words in yoga is change because it means you get out of that pose that really hurts and you get to change into the another one, but you put the work into it and then you get to reap the benefits of the change of position or mm -hmm. like the relaxation that happens after you hold the position or mm -hmm. in life, you know, after the work that you do, you know, the, it's not the work that actually does it. It's, it's how things reorganize themselves after you put energy into it. So it's kind of, you know, it's like that you went through the bumps and bangs and that created this other space for you to grow into and change and mm -hmm. concept how that, mm -hmm. how it all works. Like I think we talked before 
if you look at a, a skyscraper or a home or something, you're like, oh, it's amazing. And like, it used to be just a lot full of trees and gravel and, you know, nothing. And then you put stuff into it and you mm -hmm. refine it. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I would love if you, however much you want to share, just kind of your journey that you've been on so that, because I really feel like in our world right now, there's a lot of hard things that people feel. And just for giving hope to people, of, yes, just maybe where you're at right now, like if someone's listening to this and it just feels really hard or dark, there is hope they can reboot. There is something bright in the future. And I feel like our stories connect us. I feel like when we hear someone's story, it's like, yes, that's how I feel. So I would love for you start wherever you want with the story, but just to kind of share your story of where you were at. And obviously by the end, we'll hear where you're at now. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, so I think kind of the, the nutshell version, interesting. I was just sharing, we ran into um, a friend of mine at a memorial service. So introduced our husbands and we were all like, Oh, let's connect. And we got to talking and my husband heard me telling her husband, the nutshell version. And he was like, oh, that's like the TED talk version. And so now I'm super aware, but I share it all the time. He shares it that way, less of the time. And so I'm just aware now, but, and, and often when I share it, I also am sharing with little emotion because I'm in storytelling yeah. mode sake of getting through the podcast. Doesn't mean I won't dip down in and experience some emotion, but for sake of now, our daughter Hadley was born 1998 without part of her brain. And she was our second kid. We had no idea anything was going on when I was pregnant with her. So she's born. We find out four months into her life that she is missing part of her brain, the cerebellum. And then the rest of her brain was really underdeveloped. And so it was called cerebellar hypoplasia and microcephaly, small brain. That began uh, like, whoa, wow, what's happening? We had never, besides some of our story, you know, childhood, some, some trauma there, we had not experienced trauma. And I don't even think we knew we had ever experienced trauma before um, at that point. And that really began a whole journey in our faith journey and our, what our life looked like, our, it really, really looked like perfect world back then. And it did not anymore for quite a while. So Hadley's born without part of her brain. We end up living, she makes it 12 years. We kept her alive for many of those years. Near the end of her life, she was really suffering and pneumonia is what ended up taking her life. Three months prior to that, our son was coming out gay in, in our then very conservative faith journey household. And so that was like, whoa, whoa, what's happening? His name's Holden. He was 15, I think at the time. So that was a huge deal. Then Hadley dies unexpectedly within about two years, Holden's addicted to drugs and alcohol. We did not know any of that. In hindsight, we were in denial of most of it and we were in grief. And so we were just foggy and we, we call some of those years, the blackout years, like and then our marriage was not okay. Our marriage started going the shitter. We started realizing like, there's too much going on here. Meanwhile, our youngest daughter's like hanging on for the ride. Meanwhile, I'm finding out more about my own childhood story, trauma, and kind of at the end of that period, it was like a five-year chunk of time. I was just like, uncle, I'm out. I do not want to die. I'm not suicidal. And I don't know if I can keep going. 
began a process, Holden got to rehab. Well, no, I think first I went to, so there's a place outside of Nashville that I love to talk about called Onsite. So our family has received significant healing, onsiteworkshops.com. They have a residential program. So I went there for two weeks. Just, it's like, I told my husband, I need a hospital, but not like an ER and not a psych ward, but I need help. I, I, I can't, I can't take anymore. Everyone was in agreement that I needed help. So I went to Onsite for a couple of weeks. It was a brand new program then. Now you, now the minimum is 30 days, um, but at the time it was two weeks and that was a game changer, experienced significant healing that time. And then came home, Holden wasn't doing well. We didn't know it was drugs. He had been to a rehab already hit the end of his senior year. They thought he was just addicted to medicating pain. We're like, who wouldn't be in our house? So he went on to college. We said, you can still go to college if you'll raise your hand and ask for help if you need it. He did not. So he found himself at onsite, although we didn't know he was using, it's not a rehab and they don't usually take you if you're using, he was not truthful on his application. And so the good news is that he wasn't truthful and he got in because he experienced significant healing there as well. So he was there 55 days. Then he realized he was an addict alcoholic, went to treatment from there. So one by one, he, he got to also attend a workshop at onsite while he was in the residential program and was like, dad, you would love living centered program. My husband, Aaron went to living centered. He came home, Leith, you would love living centered. I went to living centered. One thing led to another. I've now spent about eight weeks of my life there, including doing some training and I'm going back in July for more training. Thanks. So, um, I know that it's a lot about onsite, but it's a significant piece of our story is where the healing really began. And so one by one, We'd go to onsite, we'd see our trauma therapist, Dr. Dale and Castle Rock. And between all of that, we were like, oh, wait, I think our head's above waterline. Oh, wait, actually we're standing, like we're going to be okay. And that was over quite, quite a, a long period of time. Somewhere in the middle of all of that, Holden was in rehab and we had tried to sell our house, tried to put our house on the market and couldn't do it. Just couldn't, the thought of leaving Hadley's room. We had built that house for her modifications to every, everything was modified for her wheelchair. There's a ramp, the shower with all modified for her. And so the thought of leaving that house felt impossible. And about five months later, we revisited it. We put it on the market. It sold quickly. And we, I said to Avery is our youngest daughter. She was home at the time. And Aaron, I was like, you, I think you guys might think I'm crazy, but would anybody be open to selling everything in the house? And they both said, absolutely. And I thought they were, they were literally going to think I was insane. So we called holding it rehab. He said, absolutely. And we all needed out of that space. We had to, and to this day, it was the best decision we ever, ever made as a family. We still drive by. It's an amazing, amazing house. And we still drive by it and we all go, Oh, like we can just feel the feels. Yes. From it gives me gives me the chills talking about it. Um, and we prayed over that house. We did everything we could think to do with that space. And it's like the walls, the carpet, the it there, it held too much pain. And we had to get out of it to get well. Beautiful thing is the people who bought it were like, this is the most like joyful, happy, light, easy space. They felt that energy, which was true for someone who wasn't carrying what we were carrying in it. 
that began the reboot. We had no idea what we were doing. We sold everything in our house. So this is, this is all a result of the reboot. Mm-hmm. None of that was here before. Um, we brought like one shelf, no, maybe two, two bookshelves. Actually, that was one of the shelves that was in my daughter's room. We brought two shelves and then we had Holden's things, Hadley's things. We kept bikes. We kept a couple things, but we sold everything. Wow. Dishes, towels, clothes, silverware literally close, just bags and bags go out the door. We did, I put it on Facebook for two days, sent emails to everyone we knew and just said, come pay what you can and take it. If you can't, it was incredible to this day. People were like, we love our decorations in our house because it, it wasn't junk. It was, we just couldn't do it anymore. It, yeah. yeah, We couldn't even unpacking. Once we got here after nine months of being in between, we were renting, staying with friends, all that. We finally start unpacking stuff here and like a mug from the old house, one of our favorite mugs. And I pulled it out and we all go, Ew! <laughs> it went in the Goodwill pile. It was like, it is bizarre how that, how like strong mm-hmm. that was. That's the reboot part of it. So one by one, we start getting well, we sell everything. We worked at a young life camp for six weeks. We lived with some neighbors and friends for six weeks. We rented for nine months until we got in alignment. We were working on a marriage at the time as well. We had done our own work and then we began working on our marriage realizing we had le- less of a marriage problem and much more of just individual shit that needed sorted. We were blaming, we were old stories were playing, young places were showing up. And so we began getting in alignment and we did not make a decision about building this house until we were in a hundred percent alignment. And for being in such a tender place in our marriage, I don't remember. I know it was very smooth. I don't remember arguing or having very much tension at all about building this house. Mm-hmm. Even if we were in an awesome place, there would be tension about building a house. And we just did not make any move until we were in alignment. So even, and we were like going to pay cash for anything that we possibly could. We were not going to rack up a bunch of debt. And so even like our couch that I dreamed and dreamed of was on sale, but we didn't have the cash. We were waiting for some cash to come in from something and it wasn't in the bank. And I'm like, but the sale, it's going to be over in two days. And we, part of what we were practicing in our marriage was finding a third way. It doesn't have to be either, or doesn't have to be your way or my way. What if there's a third way? And so I called the furniture company and said, I'm waiting on a check. Could you extend that 20% off to me? And he said, absolutely. Oh, wow. We were so happy. Both of us so happy when the couch showed up because we were in alignment before we said yes ended up getting a totally free couch from them as well. Cause there was a little tear on that couch. Wow. And so we doubled our, we doubled our couches um, for like half the price that has been, that was, and is significant. We moved in and we just continued to do our own work. Our son Holden, the update now is that he is seven years and let's see, March, April, May, almost three months sober rocking his life currently living in Barcelona just because he can awesome um works remote so he just took his computer and our our youngest just arrived there yesterday and so her and a couple buddies are they're visiting they're all in Barcelona playing right now so Holden is sober he's sober in relationships he's sober from drugs and alcohol he's just sober in his work he's sober which is an incredible miracle and gift our marriage is in the best place it's ever been in almost 29 years. That's a miracle. Even as empty nesters, we are having a blast. We were kind of like, whoa, how's that going to be? We really like our kids. Our kids are our favorite people to 
have around to play with, to travel with, to, to do everything with. And so we really miss them when they're gone and they're not our medication. When they're not in the picture, we really like each other. We're having a lot of fun together. Avery is rocking her life. She's 21 now and she's studying film in LA and getting ready to study abroad next semester in Florence and just thriving. Their relationship is thriving. Our relationships are thriving. What's another piece of the update? I would say in our grief journey, we are, we're doing well. There's moments, um, Ooh, might, might just have tapped down. <laughs> we, um, we were out to dinner on a date last night and we met a young woman who was delightful serving us. I said, how old are you, Lydia? And she's like 23. And I said, oh, when's your birthday? And she December, whatever. And I was like, oh, she's two weeks older. No, two weeks younger than our Hadley would have been. And that just the whole way home, I kept thinking about it. And things like that are where I noticed like, oh, how I wish, how I wish that Hadley was playing in Barcelona too. Um, so grief gets, it's not gone and it's not the overriding thing. And there's times where, oh man, ouch, dang, really? Um, so it's just kind of an interesting place to be. I lead a group of grieving moms once a month. I have a group called left of center. It's because it's the location of the human heart. So I named it that I feel in a lot of ways, like I'm just kind of, I'm doing great. In my grief journey, you know, we're, we're going to be 12 years out in January. She will have been gone almost as well in January. She'll be gone as long as she was alive. And so in some ways I'm like, I'm doing awesome in my grief journey and never, ever forgetting her, her life, her story. And then times like seeing a young waitress, who's a delightful human being like, oh man, that'd be really cool. What would that have been like? So, and then, so born out of all of that, then as I continue to visit on site and start to wonder who, who I am and what do I have to offer? I never did finish college, went to Baylor for three years, do not have a college degree, met my husband, got married. I like to say I got my MRS degree at Baylor University. My mom's like, "Mm, that's cute. That was expensive. Uh, Anyways. So didn't finish school. Who am I? Kids didn't need me as much. Hadley's no longer here. So I was technically her full-time CNA certified nurse's aide. So now who am I when nobody needs, when the kids don't need me born out of my own questioning came my coaching practice Mm. and born out of all the pain that I just described and all the healing that I experienced was born my coaching practice. And so now that's what I get to do. And it's so good. I just wrapped up with a client this morning who is Mm, she is a, she was hungry and ready to change and grow. And now she's going to start her own coaching practice. So I can't believe I get to do that. And that's my work. And then the really beautiful thing is that Aaron does very similar work. He works for a firm. So in the consulting coaching space for executives. So even I just overheard him on a a non-confidential call. And um, I was just like, yeah, I know exactly what he's talking about. I know the language he's speaking. I know where he's headed with what he's saying. And it's super sweet for our marriage to have that too. Um, Yesterday on our date, we were sharing PDFs of growth mindset versus fixed mindset. You know, Carol Dweck has this awesome PDF on that. And so that's, we get, we get to talk about that stuff on our dates and that's just super fun. Mm -hmm. I think that kind of brings us up to speed. 
what am I forgetting? What, what, yeah. what else? <laughs> no, I feel like that, that says it all, but I like, I, as you were talking, I was like, Ooh, I want to hear more about this. Like, Ooh, I want to hear, but I, I mean, and you kind of touched on part of what I wanted to hear, which was about grief. Cause I think that's, I think people don't necessarily like to talk about it or like, okay, I've grieved and now I'm okay. And so, but I think you kind of touched on, it's always there. It doesn't go away, but it doesn't mean you live in it all the time. We heard it once said that it's like learning to live with a cannonball sized hole in you. you. Your legs keep moving. You can keep going. Your, your head still works. Your, your heart's working. And you have a huge hole that you learn to live with there. And to me, to, to date, that's probably the closest I can get to um, helping someone understand what it might feel like. Yeah. I've heard it. can't remember who I heard it from, but they said something that I was felt like was interesting and said, look, it will never be all right, but mm -hmm. it, it will be okay. Mm -hmm. And that when I thought, when I heard that, I'm like, oh, because we always say, yeah, all right, but it isn't all mm -hmm. right. It mm -hmm. never is that it's, mm -hmm. but it will be okay. And I think in the okays is the, the peaks and valleys of joy and sorrow and, you know, longing and appreciation and all of that stuff. It is an interesting thing, like to see just you and hear your emotions of elation and sadness and all that. And it all fits into like, this is the most amazing experience that mm -hmm. I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it's great. It's, it's amazing. I saw you writing things down. I don't want to monopolize with, because there was something else. page of notes already. <laughs> Come on, let's talk. Yeah. Go next. Um, you know, one, one of the things, what you said, find the third way that yes. that's cool. Yes, like, I love that. And so I, I was thinking <sighs> the third way I feel like always exists, but everyone's scared to think mm -hmm. that, that it's either this or that. And I'm totally guilty. In fact, I had mine this morning about something simple as run a network cable or oh, do, yeah. you know, doing a certain job. And mm -hmm. we kind of alluded to it. And the guy we were talking with was like, well, yeah, sure. You can do it that way too. I'm like, all right. But mm -hmm. it's like, you don't want to touch that ever because you okay. think, well, here's the rule. Mm -hmm. How do you, how did you guys come up with that or figure your way to that? Or how do you use that? I guess. Yeah, that's a good question. I believe Aaron brought it to us and maybe it was through our therapist. Anyway, everything in the past had been your way or my way. Like one of us is going to have to compromise is what it felt like. I don't know that it was always like, that's what it felt like, especially at that time in life. And so it was like, but what if, what if there's a different way to do this? Doesn't have to be either or. And that began, like we started not only incorporating our marriage, but incorporating it for everything. And now it's part of our filter of how we live is like, I don't know, does it have to be one or the other? I don't know. I don't think it does. There's almost always a third way or another way or a new way. So it's, it's a helpful thing to live by. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah I, I kind of, I like it because a lot of times we can be just focused in on us. So we're focusing on what is it for me? And it allows you to step back and give a broader perspective of, Hey, what's really the situation is, is there more? So, and that's where to me, you can get out of reactive and you can be open to hear, mm -hmm. Oh, or see things differently when mm -hmm. you kind of step behind it and 
broaden the perspective of like, is there something else? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. powerful. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's like, if somebody listened to this and they just grabbed that, they're literally, their life could change from just that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yes. good. Yeah. You know, just listening to recounting of that five-year period where mm-hmm. everything was just going crazy. I shared this with you before too, of like, you, we have, we have these set points of what we're able to handle. And, you know, with Hadley being you always have to attend to her and from, okay, well, here's another trip to the hospital and then here's some bad news, but for a new parent or one that's never experienced that sometimes ear infection is like the end of the world, but right. your, you know, your set point is like here, but now it's here and now it's here. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden it's like, well, mm-hmm. they're in, she's in the ER, but you know, it's, it's another, like you said, you know, what, how you, you guys had your exchange with your friend. Mm-hmm. of, well, you know, here we are again, like as, as if it comes around and it, it's not mm-hmm. a big deal for you to face that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just the, the level that you have to play at to sustain that, how do you, I, I guess that not, how do you, but like, what, what was the recovery or the post exercise recovery? You know, you go through the sore times, but how do you fix your just your adrenal stress and your settle back down into more of a, like a, a growth level instead of a fight or flight level. Mm, I don't know if there's an actual answer. I know it's taken years of pursuing health and wellness, like nutritionally, therapeutically, it has taken a long time. I actually am seeing a new nutritionist for lack of a better word right now. And adrenals are, they're making their way out now. No one's talked about them for a very long time. And now it's time to start Mm -hmm. tending to them. And Hadley's been gone almost 12 years and our, our stress level at the the level we used to live at hardcore all the time has been, I would say the predominantly since our reboot, we don't live at that level. And I remember sharing with Rob Bell on his podcast it, at that point, it had been five years since Hadley had died. And I said, I'm still tired mm-hmm. or I'm just now starting to not feel as tired. I can't remember which one it was, but something yeah. like five years. Right. And I was still tired. And I, I remember that significantly. I think also kind of twofold is when you start living with, oh, we're just in the ER, <laughs> like when a cough and cold used to be like, oh my gosh, or an ear infection, or like you said, used to be like, oh my gosh, he has an ear infection. This is like, I remember Holden's first ear infection. I was terrified. And now it's like our, our marker and our family is nobody's dead. Yeah. You, know, right. you still have most of your arm. Cool. Now, if my arm got cut off, it'd be a bigger deal than that. So I'm, I'm, I'm not minimizing yeah. that, but also it'd be like, well, I can keep going, right. but I also don't, haven't had my arm cut off. So I want to be careful. Yeah. And say that, like sounds so easy, but if no one's dead, we, we can keep going. And even if someone is dead, we can keep going, but that's become our, our gauge of like, is this awful COVID was not tragic and devastating to our family. We also didn't lose anybody to COVID, but for us, it was an opportunity for our family to get more connected. We lived together unexpectedly for six months and we were trapped together and it wasn't tragic. And we also weren't isolated. Also many of the things that are tragic for some people about COVID 
we didn't have to deal with that. So it's easy for me to say it on one hand, but for us, we're like, we're all okay. So what's the big deal if this world shut down forever? Yeah. We also didn't have businesses that were impacted by it. So I'm careful in how I say it, but it's just our gauge is like, we don't get so rattled. We don't get rattled as easily about things. And I notice I'm intentional about having grace and compassion when people are rattled about what I consider to be the small things, because I had without my story, predominantly with Hadley's life and Holden's life, I wouldn't either. Your infection would still be a really big deal to me. Yeah. The relativity of the event always Mm -hmm. matters for Mm -hmm. sure. Did you Mm -hmm. ever feel like, like, this is so hard. This is so much to handle. And then then you had another thing and it's like, oh my, I got to handle this now too. And then it's like, oh, oh, now my, you know, my marriage, like, did you ever feel like this is just too much? Like I, one thing after another thing and another thing, like, what did you feel like as the things going on? And, and I am asking this question because I feel like a lot of people, it's, you feel like you get hit by something and hit by something for them to know you, you can get back up, but it might feel really, really hard because you kept this thing and then the next thing. And then the next thing. Yes, yes, and yes. I'm making a few notes so I don't forget to say something. Yes. And I I can't remember if I told you guys when we talked that I broke my hand twice during Hadley's life. I don't hit things. I broke my hand twice during her life out of sheer, I cannot effing do this anymore. The first time she was pretty little, she had gotten her G-tube. She threw up a ton when she first got her G-tube. And this morning she started throwing up what I now know is old blood look like coffee grinds. And I was just like three years of us saying, look at us, McHugh's, we got this. God is so good. He doesn't give you more than you can handle. Just came out on the carpet. She was laying in a boppy pillow over here. And I just hit so hard that when I pulled my hand up, it was shredded. And so I got her to the pediatrician. Thank God her pediatrician knows us and knows I wouldn't lay a hand yeah. on my kids in that way. And, and he was like, we got to get her to the hospital. And I said, can you look at this? And he's like, I could tell without x-raying it's a boxer's fracture. He's like, what did you do? And I said, I just beat the shit out of the floor. And he's like, yeah, he's the same doctor who gave us the news about Hadley's brain and had been walking closely with us through everything. Two years later, I did it again. This time I at least looked, I w- she had been screaming for a month and Valium chloral hydrate nothing helped her. We pursued everything, trying to figure out what's wrong. Finally, after put, putting her in the hospital and saying, we're not leaving until you figure out what's wrong. They, it was gastritis, which is very painful and very treatable, very simple. But when you have someone who's nonverbal and you're trying to figure out, go through all the steps of what's wrong, we finally figured out. Nonetheless, she'd been screaming for a month and I was um, hung up a phone call, was frustrated with something. And it was back in the daytime, uh, daytimers. Remember those thick calendar things. And one was sitting on the desk. So thankfully I didn't hit the desk, but I was like, and I pulled it up. Same thing. So yes, to, I can't take anymore. I also was medicating with wine big time. It was when box wine was first getting cool and you can't tell how much you're pouring. Mm -hmm. Um, thankfully I'm not an addict alcoholic, and I was medicating with wine and a couple of friends noticed and brought it to our attention lovingly. And I was able to do something about that. The other thing I was gonna say, oh, I know was that a dear friend of ours came to us. It, it was one thing after the other. It felt like it, relentless. 
that if we tried to go, we flew to Bainbridge Island to do an intensive with a therapist for our marriage. We had help all weekend scheduled nursing care, everybody coming in the night we're flying in. We don't get in. I think we got home at like 11 or 12 or something late. We're exhausted. We've just worked so hard all weekend. And a friend came to sit with the kids after the nurse had left and handed me a post-it note and said, the nurse wanted you to know this is what she gave Hadley. She was really uncomfortable tonight. My friend has no idea what it is. She's not a nurse. She's like, this is just what she told me to give you. I looked and I said, she gave her both of these medications together at one time in these amounts. Went, go try to wake up Hadley. She will hardly wake up, stick her in the car, go fly into the ER. She had been overdosed by the nurse. So it's like, are you kidding? Right. <laughs> are you that? kidding me? This has to be a joke. Thankfully, they pumped her. They, she was well. Her body could metabolize quickly and easily because she, it was used to metabolizing meds, a lot of meds. She was really little, got on a new seizure med. She's probably four or five. And the pharmacy said to give her 10, 10 of whatever it was, CCs maybe, she was supposed to have one. The label said 10. I pump her full. I have no idea. It's a new med to me. I I'm going off what they said. Now I know to double check prescription and <laughs> pharmacy pumped her full of meds. She wouldn't move. She was lethargic. I even started, you know, my mom was in the nursing profession at nurse anesthetist, and she's like, squeeze her right here and see if she responds. No response. ER. I mean, it just, oh my gosh, like as if her laying there with her broken femur in a cast up to here wasn't already enough in that season. So it just felt relentless. So that's a long, I realize I'm yeah. talking about that's a long story to say a friend lovingly came to us and said, have you guys ever for us, the verbiage was prayed over the spirit of drama in your life. And we were like, like, we're drawing this to us. And he's like, no, I don't think like, we're not the kind of people who thrive on drama, but he's like, I just wonder if there's something, whether we call it spiritual, energetically, whatever it might be, something hovering over the McHugh family. And I will say something very significant began to shift when we stopped living under that spirit of drama that has played out many times with now, I, you know, when I see friends who are just in a loop where it feels like are you kidding? Another thing just happened. Now you got in a car accident. Now you got what? It's like, you're almost drawing it, even if you're not consciously drawing it to you. So I don't know what was happening in those years. And something did begin to shift. Yes. Overwhelm. Yes. Too much shut down, break my hand, drink too much. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, all of your stories always end with some, something that was like, oh, well, this is what helped us shift. Or this was the thing that we, like just that realization of whatever the spirit of drama or whether that was it or whether you consciously, mm. you know, realizing it or just realizing like something's got to change. Mm -hmm. You, I mean, it seems like you find, you find answers in all the, you know, the turmoil and strife and, and all that. That's, mm -hmm. that's pretty cool. Well, it wasn't working when for, I'll speak for myself when, when I was living under my life is happening to me, mm -hmm. that wasn't working anymore. It's like, could, could something be happening for me? Could, could I shift 
the way I see things to be like, it's not that just poor me, everything's ha- and it felt like that. And I have good reason for it to feel like that. Right. And there began a shift of, hmm, what if I could look at this a little differently? Now, also that being said, it's very easy to talk about that on this side of that right. story. Yeah. 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 So. yeah. I think, you know, we were, we were talking this morning about just how we've thought about framing this. And one of the things is like, you know, you decided at some point, this is enough, we're going to make a change and it. And it, I'm sure you didn't just come up with like, Hey, let's reboot. But looking back on it, it was a reboot of your life, but people don't realize. I don't think that life is always changing and no matter what, it's never going to be the same as it was yesterday or last year. But then there's another level of, you can make a decision to consciously change it and not have it changed by default, which is what you guys like, Hey, let's sell everything. Mm-hmm. and do the, all those different steps and then go to onsite and to, you know, all those things that there was a lot of maybe unknowingly, but it seemed like conscious choosing of mm-hmm. here's, here's at least what we want to try to do. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it felt like it was either that, or we were, we were, I don't know if we were going to die, but we weren't going to make it, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, well, what can we do with what we have? What can yeah. we do? I guess that um, was the third way. <laughs> yeah, that was the third way. Right. And it's about living different. Like we can keep on this loop. We can keep doing the same thing. But so I, I tell, share this with my clients and, and I live by it my own self is how can I live differently if what I'm doing isn't working and there's something I can do about it? What can I do different? It wasn't working for us to stay in the house anymore. It just wasn't. It didn't make logical sense to leave it. The market, we bought it at the, height of the market and sold it at the bottom of the market. That was brutal to sell that house during that time. And we were like, I don't care. We need out of here. It made no financial sense, no logical sense. And it made all the sense in the world Mm -hmm. to this day. We can still say that, which is crazy. How long did it take you to realize that? Like once you left, did you feel it immediately? Like this was the best decision ever, or was it like, you know, a year later, like looking back, hmm, this was a good thing. I feel like it was probably somewhere in a couple years after being here in this space, that first nine months was very bumpy when we didn't have a home, us girls. So Holden was in rehab, Avery and I, we need our comfort, our refuge, our space. And we did not have that. Meanwhile, we're just now getting well our marriage is trying to get well and we don't have our safe place. So emotionally, that was a very rough nine months, very rough, bumpy along the way. Like we never, I don't think we ever asked the question, was that a bad idea? We never, I don't think we went there ever in our hearts. Any of us, I don't think, I know I didn't. It was like, ouch, this just is not simple. It's not just, oh, we sold everything. And then we built an amazing house. It wasn't that. It wasn't that cute. It was a lot more than that. I, I would say it was a year or so being here. I think also holding, getting out of rehab, doing well, getting out of sober living. He's on his feet. We were starting to get on our feet. Although what our, one of our daughter's best friends had taken her life 10 days before we moved in here. And so that, that was a whole thing. So I think just when we started to experience some healing from her death, 
then we were just like, literally, this is the best thing we ever did. Never regretted getting rid of anything except for one black tank top. I was like, why did I get rid of that? Like, I love those black tank tops. Literally everything else that went out that door, don't care, don't know, don't care how much it costs. In fact, the, the tank I missed was like some cheesy thing from Costco. It's just funny that all the things that went out that door, don't miss any of it. Don't care to ever see it again. No, go ahead. Well, I wanted to see if you could just talk a little bit on, obviously when you're in a place that's really hard and dark about having help along the way, you know, cause I feel like sometimes when people are in a really hard place, they feel like maybe they could figure it out themselves or they'll do their own thing. Like just kind of talk about, because it, a large part of your story is the help that you got. And that's by being supported in your journey to be where you're at today. It's just the importance of what it was for you to be getting help and being supported through the process to be where you're at today. Mm-hmm. We literally were just talking about this as I was walking in here to hop on this call. Yes, we learned through Holden's first rehab to raise your hand and ask for help when you need it. They, they did this incredible exercise, which I won't share because I do think it's kind of a universal thing. So I wouldn't want to spoil it for anyone who ever has a chance to do it. It was about asking for help and realizing how much, well, this could go on a little bit of another tangent, but I'll just say for sake of Aaron and I had to learn how to be remarried in a sense, part of our renewing part of us getting well was also how do we live together and not be in ER mode, 911 comma crisis chaos mode, because we were really good at hunkering down and plowing the field together. And then all of a sudden you take all the chaos and crisis and drama out and we're like, who are we? (laughs) What do we do now? Like we need to feed it. You know, we're, we're used to chaos. So that being said, we also weren't awesome and asking for help. I was not awesome at asking for help began to learn. We learned a little bit during Hadley's life, especially people take, can we bring you dinner? Yes, yes, yes. But that was kind of the extent of me letting someone help. I got it. I got it. I can do it. I can do this. And that was not working anymore. I needed to ask for help and be open to receive the feedback and the help. And now I know it is the most necessary thing for living is what, what do you need? What do you need? And it's the very first question I ask my clients when they start with me, the very first form they start to fill out says, do you want to get better? Cause we can ask for help. And do we, do we actually want to get better? Mm-hmm. Oprah's friend Ayanla has a great quote about some, the short version of this is not verbatim is sometimes it's, we're more comfortable and content remaining broken because yeah. it's, safe there. Yeah. It's what we know. And so, yeah, it's familiar. So do we, do I want to receive help? Do I want to get better? And sometimes I didn't want to like, I'm, I'm good in chaos. So let's just create more chaos. You know, I I wouldn't have known that then I can see it now. I think even the fact of asking for help, like that act of doing that almost collapses all of the facade around Mm-hmm. the stuff that we build to show ourselves that we're stronger or that we, mm-hmm. you know, we got this or whatever. And it's like this negative connotation about mm-hmm. asking for help. Mm-hmm. It's, it's weird. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I've experienced that myself, especially, oh, me, especially me <laughs> well, as a man or male in society, like to, to show emotion or to show caring or thoughtfulness or, mm-hmm or I'm weak right now. Like Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what to do next Mm -hmm. is that's 
that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Like you, you let a lot of stuff go when you, when you cross that bridge. Mm -hmm. Right. And actually now I see it as such a sign of strength Mm -hmm. and empowerment is for when someone asks for help, I'm like, wow, I want to be like that. You know, it's so strong to ask for help. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, I, I know you had a lot of experience with, you know, substance abuse to, like you said, medicating, we've just been talking a lot about this too, about just how rampant our society is with alcohol and like where all that comes from, from Hollywood movies and pop culture, glorifying all the party stuff. And like, you never see the aftermath of that necessarily, unless someone actually does something to record Mm -hmm. that it's still not Mm -hmm. looked on as what are your thoughts around that around just numbing or not, you know, not wanting to feel or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm sure you experience it in your practice, Mm -hmm. talking with as many people as you do, and you've had it in your life as well. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That's a great question. I mean, the very first thing that comes to mind is grace to all who are numbing. Lots of grace, because of course you're numbing, whatever it is that hurts so bad, of course you're numbing. And if it's not serving you well, it wasn't serving me well anymore. Then I started to do something different and started to ask for help. But I think there's a, such a, for me, I see a significant difference between medicating and addiction. And sometimes it can be blurry for some people, just having a son who's an addict. It's like, oh yeah, he, he was not medicating. Now we know this, but at the time it made sense when, when we thought that's what it was for him. I know there are seasons I've medicated I still medicate from time to time with something, you know, busyness can be a huge thing. I like to keep a pretty, keep, keep, keep hopping, keep hopping. And if I'm really hopping, I'm kind of like, what's, what's happening? What's going on in here? What, let's get real. <laughs> what are we running from? And now I have the tools to do that. When I didn't have the tools to do that, that was a different story. It's like, this feels better than that. So I'll keep doing this. I don't know if that really answers your question, but literally the first thing I thought is grace to whoever's numbing. And if it doesn't serve you anymore, it might be time to do something different. Yeah. And I think there's a gift. Could there be, let's ask it as a, I'll ask it as a question. Could there be a gift in having a chance to medicate? I don't be careful how to say this. Yeah. I'm not a proponent of getting drunk all the time. I think sometimes we need a break. We need a minute. And then we can go, okay, that's, that doesn't work. So what, what will actually help heal what's actually happening in here? But sometimes for me, I couldn't go straight from trauma to let me get the right help. Yeah. So I, I was like, I need help. Okay. I'll have another glass of wine. That feels so much better. Okay. Well, I got, I got to catch my breath a little bit in the medicating so I, I personally don't necessarily regret that season of life, partially because now I know what it feels like to medicate with alcohol. So I can relate better to someone else who is, and it didn't, it wasn't harmful to anyone, myself or anyone else. I had a chance to catch my breath and then do something different. So again, I'm, I'm treading very lightly yeah. because I'm not a proponent of it. And I think there's there's ways that it's like our body, when our body goes into shock after something big, it's grace for our bodies to be able to keep functioning until you can get landed. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's what I'm trying to say, but I'm not sure if that's coming together. 
Yeah, uh-huh. you, you hit the pause button on mm-hmm. some of the stuff that's mm-hmm. currently. I mean, we, obviously, with the understanding, you know that that's not going away. Right. It's just mm-hmm. allowing you to not feel it at that well, and specific I, moment. I think, too, I, I've done a lot of Brene Brown's courses that she's had. And in one of them, she, you had to put like, where do you numb at? And so I had to look at my life and be like, where do I numb? Well, I can numb with food and chips and salsa that I love, but I can numb with alcohol and I can numb with, I love self-help. I love growth, but I can get overly into that where it makes me stop looking at really what's going on in my life and what I'm really feeling. So I think first is the awareness of, okay. So for me, then I started it's not like, oh, once I knew all my things, I stopped doing them. I started to become aware of it. And then I'd be, what's my intention behind this? I am having a drink. So tonight I'm having a beer because I'm just having a good time. And then sometimes I'd be like, I can't handle this. Like I'm having a drink. And mm-hmm. so I was aware of what I was doing. So I never lost myself in it. Mm-hmm. That's just my personal. I've definitely done drinking to numb, but I also was highly aware. I also was not letting it get out of control. And then sometimes I had a drink where it was, I just was having, mm-hmm. it was enjoyable and fun. It was social. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, it's, it is interesting to like looking at just how people act in their normal days. Like, you know, that becomes numbing or whatever. And then now it's such a social thing that mm-hmm. you can be at an event or a party and if, if you're not doing that, you're like the only person that isn't doing that, which is mm-hmm. kind of weird in society. Mm-hmm. And you're like, hmm, what's, what's actually happening here? I think with medicating, I think the level of the order of difficulty to actually do that, if that's your help, is what makes it so dangerous. Like you said, you can't tell how much you're pouring. Mm-hmm. But it, like, if you have to go get help from your friend or your doctor or whatever, every time you have a problem, well, that's harder. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just easier to I'll take care of myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, then, and it's like, you're, you're your own doctor all of a sudden. <laughs> right. Do you have anything um, else that you Yeah, I, I do. Going yes. back into some of the faith, like your community, mm-hmm. sounds like a lot of your help came from your faith and in your community. Were there people there that you countered also that when Holden was going through his things and even coming out and all of that, did you see, oh, well, there's my true friend. And there's somebody that was like, mm, no, they, like people fall away. You know, they judge you or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting, not so much with Holden's story, which is, I've been a little surprised that there hasn't been more. First of all, Holden is an exceptionally delightful human. So anyone that knows him personally, I think it'd be really hard for them to be super judgy and weird. Like he, you don't want to not know Holden, which is also true of Avery in such another way. We're just talking about Holden right now, but I'm like, "Mm, we could talk about Avery for like the whole time. Holden with him, there wasn't so much. I think there, there wasn't things that were obvious in hindsight over the last couple of years, I've been like, you know, I never hear from so-and-so anymore. I wonder that's weird. And I start putting some pieces together and I'm like, oh, some of, I wonder, I don't, I'm making up stories. Brene Brown says, when we don't know, we start making up yeah. stories. I don't know, but like nothing ever happened. Oh, they were pretty conservative in their faith journey. I wonder if their pull away has something to do with that. I have no idea, but I wouldn't say I felt 
a big like, oh, this was a marker of a change in relationship. I feel like people really, really gracious, maybe often confused and maybe feel like our, our spiritual life is very colorful and complicated. So I like to describe it. I mean, it has ebbed and flowed and changed. And so anybody who was, if, if our friends, maybe who are still super conservative in their faith journey, our friendship might look a little different. Yeah. Not with all, but some, you know, it's just like, mm, the cues kind of got weird for a while. That's okay to, yeah. you know, and so much grace to, again, had I not been eyeball to eyeball with my son saying that this is who I am, I'm, I'm afraid I'd be in the same place I was in my journey of being like, Ooh, yeah, people aren't born like that. That's a sin. And the chance that I got to look it in the eyes and got to choose to live differently and now have incredible humans in our life who I would have never loved on or been able to be loved by because I would have judged them. So I'm really glad that I don't live in that space the way that I used to lots of grace to those that don't have to, who truck along through life and their kids aren't gay or addicted or dead or special needs grace. Cause they, why would they know any different? I wouldn't either. But it's interesting. The thing I will say that shifted is kind of like our reboot and our getting well. There were more shifts in friendships throughout that was like, you know, um, I don't know if y'all have <clears throat> heard there's, I don't know if there's actually a quote about it, but the idea that anytime we begin to get well, it disrupts the system. Right. Yeah. Right. So, you know, squeaky wheel in the family starts saying, uh-uh, I don't play by those rules and everybody freaks out and yeah. And so I think there was something like, I don't, again, I don't know this for sure. I've had some conversations with some friends about the idea of this, but we were, we were in need for so long. We were the friends that were always in need. And all of a sudden we were not in need like that anymore. And that had to be different for yeah. some of our friendship circles. That was interesting. Cause I felt personally, I felt more of a change in community and friendship not all negative, just different Yeah. with our reboot and our path to wellness than I did with Holden coming out. Yeah. I can actually see that. Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. And that, that I brought that up too, because I've heard Holden's story from you several times that that's not the only thing that could do it. Like even, even a death in the family or a divorce or mm -hmm. changing your station in life up or down a lot mm -hmm. of times I I've seen that in people where you're like, Oh, all of a sudden, so-and-so has, you know, lots of money or they change mm -hmm. jobs and they, and you treat them differently, be, not because they're different, but because the story in your head mm -hmm. about them becomes different. And mm -hmm. it's kind of an odd thing that happens. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think your story is amazing. I see you put all the time. It's one of my favorite things. It's you matter. What's special about that for you? I know I see it behind there and it's one of my things I say all the time because I think it's important for people to know that they really do matter. But um, before we get to our questions, just I want to hear for you what that means. You matter. Um, that might tap down. <laughs> um, you know, obviously it didn't originate with me. It I borrowed it from several people where I first think I started hearing it was through Donald Miller's work. And I was like, taken back. I think for me, what it communicates is it just doesn't matter. Nothing matters about who you are, what you choose, what your life looks like. 
the bottom line is you matter period. You'll see, you notice there's a period at the end of that. And it's because that is every teeny tiny cell turned into life is so significant. And I just, I hope the whole world begins to see that. Cause I don't, I didn't a hundred percent. I mostly believed that about myself, but not, I mean, it took me back the first time I was kind of exposed to those two words, like, wait, really? So if I feel like that, how many other people feel like that? So just really significant to me to, as much as I can put it out there to every human being that they matter they're worthy of every good thing. So I think I didn't know it. And I'm sure a lot of people don't know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. I, when I hear that, and I, cause I've seen it with Renee's stuff too. And I always think of it in a weird way of actually matter, like the matter of material, yes. like where you said the tiny little cells and it's like you matter. And there's this, there is this stuff that makes up you and it's, well, there's Leith matter and there's Renee matter and there's Bruce matter. And then we have all these like tiny little shimmering, the shimmering of moats, I guess you could say mm-hmm. like the molecules of us and, and down to the deeper level of the, of the energy that makes us us. And that is the you matter mm-hmm. in all of it. That's mm-hmm. every time I see that, I ne- I I've never actually said He's that. Never said, I've never heard him explain it, and say it like that. I, yeah, love it. So. I love that. I love it. It reminds me, I don't know if this fits exactly. I don't know if I can pull it up easily and quickly, but Deepak Chopra has a great quote about us and our cells and what we're made up of and that all 50 trillion cells are eavesdropping on each other. And oh my gosh, yeah. it's so good. But it reminded me of that. So yeah, very yeah. cool. All right, let's get to our questions. All right, that we ask all our guests. Our first question is, if you could have dinner with anyone, who would it be and what would you want to discuss? So it could be anyone that's alive, have passed away, celebrity, anyone. Who would it be and what would you want to discuss? So I, my initial thinking is I want to like Oprah, I, I'm going to be interviewed by her someday under her oak tree. I'll try to remember to let you guys know when that's happening. Yes, please do. So that I just, I really like her. I don't agree with every single thing. I just really like her. I would love to sit with her and just be like, tell me everything. So I don't know if I have specific questions for her. I'm sure I do. If I went, when, when the flight is booked, I'll have specific questions. (laughs) I love it. Um, However, the shift that happened for me was thinking about the human who feels missed, unseen, unheard. It would be my honor and privilege to spend dinner with that person and hear what it's like to be them. Maybe even more than sitting with Oprah. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good. If I got real with myself, I think that's the answer to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what continues or restores your faith in humanity? Mm -mm -mm. You know, there, there was something happened recently and I could not remember what it was. However, the thing I think of is when it's too bad, it's when there's a catastrophe, but when there's a catastrophe and everybody comes together, I'm like, okay, I think ultimately we're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, after nine 11, after all the big things, 
when everybody starts coming together to feed one another, emotionally support one another, things change, walls go down, I think we're going to all be okay. And it makes me super sad that it takes that for us to see or show or experience that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. The last one is what still amazes you? I I think it's like getting off with this client this morning and I am amazed. I'm amazed at human resilience. I, it can blow my mind what people experience and how they keep moving and they don't stay stuck while naming and acknowledging that there's stuff. It's so it's not a, it's not a pretending or denying it's naming, acknowledging, and still getting up. I have a couple friends in my life right now who have experienced unthinkable, unimaginable pain and they are still going and they're not just surviving. And that, that blows my mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. I'd say there's, there's one in your mirror too. Yeah. That's that, what I was going to say. <laughs> that, that another person in your mirror. <laughs> that's how I see it. Yes. Me too. Oh. <laughs> I mean, listening to this, <laughs> we were just talking the other day about, you know, we've been through stuff and whatever, but man, are we thankful just for all of it. And mm-hmm things, things mm-hmm. could be much, much different and just mm-hmm. thankful that yeah. they are as they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, I'm, uh, yeah, it's, it's the whole thing I was talking about, which is, oh my gosh, the people I would have missed in this world had I not had the pain. Mm-hmm. So when we go to gay AA in Laguna beach mm-hmm. with our son, and that feels like the holiest experience of God and Jesus ever. What? (laughs) 20 years ago, 15 years ago, I would have been like, "Mm -mm, we don't go to those places. Right. And now I'm like, what I would have missed, who I would have missed without the pain, like Holden being gay at the time was one of the, the hardest things I could ever imagine walking through. And now I'm like, Oh, thank God. (laughs) You know, so yes. Oh my gosh. I know we could keep talking. I just glanced at yeah. the clock and you know, I was like, Oh my God. So I, but before we go, I just want, where can people find you and like the different things you offer? So we'll wrap it up with that and we'll let you get going. Okay. So LeithMcHugh.com. L-E-I-T-H-M-C-H-U-G-H. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, all, all these things are under construction right now. We're in a, we're in a branding process and a everything process, but you can find me there. And then I have, I'm trying to think, I don't think I have anything virtual coming up right now at all, but would be happy to share any events that somebody might have interest in, in person, okay. we have a yoga retreat coming up. Oh, self-care call. No, wait, we do have that, that I do monthly. And I just moved it to Thursdays. So the next one, oh, I'm going to have to look. I think it is. Well, I can look and I'll put it in show yeah, notes. Yeah, we can put you can, like okay. it in show notes. Yeah. yeah, I'll look for when, when it is. Okay. It's once a month, one hour blast of self-care information. Can't miss it. It's it's so helpful. And you can come on without your video or without audio if you want to. Okay. Yes. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank this you has so been a much. I, yes. Thank you for the time. It was just amazing and beautiful. You are an amazing human being. So beautiful. And I'm grateful. <clears throat> thank you. Thank you. It is a privilege. So thank you for asking me. 
Thanks everybody for listening. This is Bruce and Renee with We Are Still Here. You can find us on Instagram at rbstillhere. And if you would like to be a guest on our podcast, because we love interesting stories, please email us at rbstillhere at gmail.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, all those regular normal spots that you would look for them at. Thanks again, and please share with your family and friends. Thanks for listening, everybody.